This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. If you were with us yesterday, you remember we had a conversation about efforts to keep kids safe when online. It's a big deal, right? We've had all kinds of stories recently, numerous law enforcement agencies warning about uh, the huge increase uh, in the number of sexploitation cases they're seeing. That's, you know, the Amanda Todd case is the big one that uh, you've probably read stories about where uh, kids get themselves into a position where they can't find a way out and and whoever they're, the predator online that sort of hooked them or got them trapped in their web just asks for more and more and more and more. Uh, and ultimately it can end very tragically, as it did with Amanda Todd. Um, obviously, though, it's not just kids. Uh, millions and millions of Canadians report online harassment. Just, just the numbers are staggering. Hate, um, vicious online abuse. It just, it happens all the time. If you've been on social media, you've likely encountered it. So is there anything that can be done about it? That's the conversation we're going to have with Emily Laidlaw, who is the Canada Research Chair in Cybersecurity Law and an Associate Professor of Law at the University of Calgary, also the co-chair of the Expert Panel on Online Harms, and um, wrote this piece that we're going to be discussing on behalf of that panel. Uh, Emily, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it's it's not surprising I mean, when we know how many millions of Canadians encounter this kind of behavior online that the vast majority of Canadians say this is a problem and they want to see something done about it, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, most want to see something done about it. It's just hard to nail down precisely what that should be. Yeah, that's that's kind of the issue. Now, the government, they've been working on it. I mean, how long? It's been something that's been on the government radar for quite a while, right? Well, yeah, it's in, it's been in the works for a few years. Yeah. Um, and I would say that even just the last few years, we're quite behind other jurisdictions. I mean, there have been laws in place in Europe since uh, 2000, and they've just recently passed legislation um, or a, a regulation updating their approach to this space. Why? Well, I guess that's the question. Why are we so far behind? And like you say, it's been happening in other jurisdictions, and they seem to have been able to do things. What's the holdup with us? Well, you know, and I can't figure that out. You know, I lived in the UK for a long time, and when I came back, I was surprised to see that we really hadn't had these legal developments here in Canada. Um, but, you know, uh, even on the panel, we talked about it. Maybe this is a late mover advantage. There's a lot to learn from these other jurisdictions because there are actually a lot of flaws in what they were implementing and really different approaches in the U.S. compared to Europe. You know, there was a real immunity for the different social media in, uh, under U.S. law, and it still exists. And Europe took a really hard line of almost, you know, a notice and takedown. Mm. But that, um, that's not necessarily a good thing. It just ends up incentivizing companies to take down content. And that has all kinds of unintended consequences on free expression. Um, and also, you know, it, it ends up being that people can target individuals for, for content removal. Sure. So we see that with brigading. So, so we, it was complicated space. And so I think Canada, it's time that we do something about it because we're seeing now, you know, I heard you talking about it, these, these, uh, you know, really horrific instances of, of child exploitation yeah. online, 
you know, the impacts of mis and disinformation and the increase really of just hate speech and, and incitement to violence, and it's time to act. Okay, so I understand fully that it's a very complex situation. There's a number of different moving pieces and players, and how do you go about tackling it? Is there... Is there um, some common ground, some agreed upon points where we can say, okay, this is something that we can address and we all know this is an issue. How do we tackle it? Or, I mean, have we boiled it down to that at least? Well, I mean, at least in terms of the panel, we really circled around this idea uh, that these these platforms, social media, have a duty to act responsibly. So think of it as product safety. Right. They're, and they're not the primary wrongdoers. I mean, the individuals who are posting yeah. hate speech and terrorist propaganda, they are. But platforms that host these spaces have a duty to, to put, put things in place to ensure that their product is safe. Now, is it going to be perfectly safe? No. And there's no way they can be held to that standard. But they should be held accountable for, for, you know, acting when they become aware of of these problems, right? Like if their space is becoming actively used for child luring, then they should be able to account for that and say, these are the steps that we're taking to try to counteract that and ensure it's as safe as possible for children and for others to use. Is, is there a difference between, like you say, okay, we, we, we notice something horrible, let's react to it. Um, what about the way that these platforms are built? The way that we, we know that certain information is pushed um, certain, you know, all the algorithms. I don't know how it works, but we know there is a way that these platforms are constructed. Is that something we should be looking at to make sure that, you know, hate and, and, and threats and all the rest of that stuff is a consideration within those algorithms? At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's what the advantage of taking more of a product safety approach is. Because, you know, the one issue you have to deal with is, okay, yeah, there's specific, you know, content that might be problematic that someone should, you know, have a complaint mechanism and the social media company should act. But the other is the social media, like their design of their spaces and their recommender systems. And we saw in the UK recently a coroner's inquest, you know, held uh, Instagram and Pinterest accountable for the death of the youth by because of the recommender system pushing content, Hmm. promoting suicide, promoting different types of self-harm. So um, so there is space here uh, under a duty of care that these companies should be accountable for how they recommend content, right? Yeah. And it's more, do you have systems in place to address the impact on free speech and privacy? Do you have a system in place to address what the different risks of harm are? And do we have a third party that can audit companies 
to be able to ensure that they're meeting those standards. This is sort of the system that that, that at least I'm hoping to see is proposed yep. by Heritage Canada with the forthcoming bill. That's what I wanted to ask. Who monitors this? You mentioned a third party. How does I mean, is it government that we put in charge of this? Is it somebody independent? Who who is it that's monitoring, um, you know, the the way these platforms are functioning? Well, I mean, you know, we need a new regulator, and I think that's the answer. So the idea that this goes through courts just is not practical. It, you know, when these things happen, it is is fast, um, and it goes viral. But also when it comes to the recommender systems, it's not practical to look at this through a liability perspective through courts, except yeah. in extreme cases. So what we need is something like a privacy commissioner, but with teeth. Some online regulator that can investigate kind of systemic failures by companies and provide, you know, work with industry to sort of create codes of practice and that evolve with the different technologies. I mean, it's not just the Facebooks of the world anymore. We've no. moved on to the TikToks. We've got Clubhouse. We've got Discord. Like, there's all kinds of different players in this space. Um, and so we need a regulator that can engage in those investigations. But we also need access by uh, by researchers and civil society, and this is something that has uh, is now in law in Europe under the Digital Services Act. Because you know, the, one of the issues is transparency, and the companies will issue transparency reports, but we have no way of assessing right. whether you know their data and whether what they're saying is true or not. So there needs to be access not just by a regulator, but by re- for by researchers and others who have the expertise to say, okay. You know what? They they are satisfying these particular obligations. Actually, I would recommend improvement on these different points and just generally holding them accountable. So important the way that you frame it. Uh, you know, we need the transparency, but we need to have people who can actually actually read the data and come to some understanding of what the transparency is telling us. Because as users, we're all involved in this space, but we don't know. We don't know what's going on. We don't know how the algorithms are influencing what we see and how we interact with the platform. So, having that third party, some independence, someone who knows what they're looking at, and the transparency. You put all that together. Now you've got a place to start. Yeah, precisely. And right now, what we're dependent on is scandal. And we're dependent yeah. on whistleblowers leaking information. And that's just not a sustainable system right now. When you look at the ways that we interact, it's online, right? It's, it's part of who we are. It's part of our, our expression, but it's also causing tremendous harm. What's the likelihood we'll see something concrete and constructive in the near future? Like you say, other jurisdictions have already taken these steps. Yeah, they all have taken these steps. I know that Heritage Canada, I, I understand, is actively working on this. All yeah. I can say, I, I don't know when they're going to propose it. My hope is it will be sometime in the new year that we're going to see a bill before us. But what I, what I'm really worried about is that this is going to get bogged down in debates and then it's going to become the kind of polarized debates that we're seeing right now with all kinds of internet regulations that have been proposed. So Bill C-11, Bill C-18 highly polarized. The UK started, you know, the initial proposal they made for online harms legislation was about five years ago. And they are still, they finally have a bill proposed, but it's been put on pause. That's a terrible scenario. That's five more years of uncertainty in Canadian law and about protection for individuals and groups from harms. And we just can't keep going with that. No, I agree with you so much. Uh, Emily, great insight. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. 